For those of you that have ever suffered hamstring strains, hamstring injuries, a lot of times it becomes a very nagging issue that you have to manage and make sure that it doesn't become problematic through your season. And you really got to sit down and take care of it in the off season. There's a lot of components that we already understand about hamstring injuries as to how to rehab them and make sure that they don't happen again. But there's something that I'm going to talk about in this episode. You're going to want to listen in. I actually just learned this today. It makes sense. It's not unfamiliar territory for me, but it makes sense with some of the things that we need to address when it comes to coming back from a hamstring strain. So listen into this episode. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone. Today we are going to talk about hamstring strains and hamstring injuries. And there's this is pretty common. A lot of athletes, I think in a lot of sports, we're talking about somewhere between 15 and 20% of Sports that are active involving a lot of running, cutting, you're susceptible to hamstring strains. And one of the things that we know is it's a neuromuscular dysfunction or deregulation as to how you're moving. And because of that, your hamstring absorbs or has excessive tightness and stiffness that it can't absorb all of the force. And typically that's what you're seeing with hamstring strains. The thing about hamstring strains too is that there's a high recurrence rate of re-injuring your hamstring especially after you had one incidence of a hamstring strain a lot of the research will point to anywhere from 30 to 60 percent depending on your activity and sport as to once you strain your hamstring that's the percentage of recurrence likely to happen and this becomes you know more of a nagging frustrating issue for a lot of the athletes i'm going to keep this episode short and sweet today so we're just going to get into the the meat of hamstring issues, what I see in the clinic, what I tend to do to address these issues, but also what I learned today. That's what I promised to share at the end of the episode. With any other injuries that I talk about too, there's a huge neural input and I think that's what we're learning more about as more research comes out. So it's this kind of neuromechanical control and you lose this coordination to effectively absorb force in your hamstring. Typically with a lot of the hamstring strain clients that I do work with, there's a subjective feeling that their hamstrings are always tight. And this doesn't necessarily mean that you're restricted or lacking mobility. Sometimes they have adequate mobility, but they just feel like their hamstrings are tight. And if that's you, then this is something that you can relate to. There's also altered proprioception or just a sense of how much tension and force is in your muscle at any given time. The other thing that we really understand too is that fatigue really disrupts everything that I just mentioned. So fatigue will have a huge influence, usually a detrimental influence on central nervous system function, but also all of the feedback that your joints, your muscles is sending back up to your brain. This gets really disrupted. 
Of course, it disrupts the energy systems in the local area, but also disrupts how fast your muscles can fire. And it starts to disrupt the way that your muscle can absorb force or contract, especially when it's lengthened. And that's one of the big things we see with hamstrings is that it's usually a eccentric. Your muscle is under tension, but lengthening. That's typically when you see hamstring strains occur. So simply put, it's a lot of hamstring coordination that gets disrupted when you sustain a hamstring injury, but also coming back from a hamstring strain. So this is all of that activation, that reflexive control, that coordination, how well you can detect how much tension and stiffness is in your hamstring, how you can control and absorb all of the forces that you deal with in your activities. Overall, the bottom line is hamstring strains typically happen when your hamstring cannot meet the demands or cannot tolerate the amount of force being put into your hamstring muscle. And this could be in any way. It could be obviously traumatic, could be contact, could be non-contact, could be under tremendous loads, or it could be under just your body weight exercises like sprinting. The common mechanism that a lot of research usually says is that it happens when your hamstring is eccentrically lengthening, typically when your hip is flexed and your knee is going to extend, like when you're reaching out when you're running. Now, again, that's not the only way, but that's commonly the mechanism, especially when you're trying to sprint or even decelerate to change directions. Some interesting things that I've talked about, I think, before in some of my content is that you want the muscle to not only be able to absorb force and contract and have strength, but you also want the muscle to be able to relax. And actually, there's quite a bit of research now that points to the muscle always holds on to excessive stiffness, even when it's relaxed. So that's a thing that you want to think about too, is how to actually teach the muscle to relax, not only when you're not doing anything like stretching passively or rolling myofascial release, but also when you're doing certain tasks that your sport or activity demands. It's making sure that your muscle shuts off when it needs to shut off and it turns on when it needs to turn on. If it's always on and always stiff, there's a lot of correlation with higher injury risk because you're holding this excessive stiffness in that muscle when it should actually be able to relax and turn off. Now, as promised, I am going to share the one thing that I learned today, which it makes sense. It's that they're finding a lot of emotional stress or higher levels of mental and emotional states or even performance anxiety or just overall anxiety where your central nervous system is at a heightened state, too much arousal for whatever you're doing. They're seeing that that has a correlation between that heightened anxiety state and the stiffness in your hamstring not only your hamstring, but just stiffness in general, which we've always known all along. That's why you have nerves and you feel like you have extra tension in certain areas and it's harder for you to relax. But it's also understanding that if you can control this emotional state and help to regulate the baseline stiffness in your muscles, that this might be a good way to rehab and come back after any hamstring injuries. Now, that's not necessarily the thing that caught my attention, but this is the first time that I've heard of emotional regulation training, and I guess they've been doing this for ACLs. And I'm not too familiar with this. If anyone is familiar and is listening to this episode, please email me some information. I am definitely going to look up some articles on emotional regulation training, especially when it comes to activity or exercise. And I'm not exactly sure of the exact techniques 
basically what I was just exposed to today was that they have certain assessments where they either show you a picture that that has negative emotions or startles you or they play a sound that startles you as you're doing certain type of reactive task or perturbation task to try to stabilize certain joints or do do a movement and they're finding that if you learn how to tolerate and control your emotional states then they're seeing that you have better motor control and responses to the physical task or the motor task so i thought that was very interesting Now, the reason why I said that this wasn't completely foreign is because a lot of things that I do with all of my clients is to try to downregulate their system, try to train, especially when you're in a heightened state, try to tap into being more parasympathetic dominant or at least lower the sympathetic influence. So again, sympathetic influence is that fight or flight. It's when you are typically exercising, when you're breathing hard, when your nervous system is ramped up to full capacity. Parasympathetic is your rest and digest. So that's when you're trying to downregulate your nervous system, really try to calm yourself down, regulate breathing, regulate your emotions, your mental state, and try to do things more at an even mental and emotional state so that you can actually execute motor tasks better. So this is where it kind of ties in very closely. And I'm I'm interested in learning more about this emotional regulation training. And it's probably something that I will try not only for myself, but also try for those that it fits or that's the missing piece of the puzzle when they're rehabbing from injuries and in that end phase, getting closer to return to play. Now, if this is interesting to you, think about if you ever sustained a hamstring strain or even other injuries, was it because your emotional state, your sympathetic system, you were just in a high stress, high anxiety situation? Maybe this is something that you not only need to focus on the strength and rehab in a controlled environment, but again, trying to replicate certain things of that anxiety or stress level so that you can practice moving better. And of course, practice just performing well in your activity or sport. And one of the things that we do a lot at Performance Rehab Ortho and I do with a lot of the athletes is a lot of long duration isometrics or even eccentric exercise. And that was one of the ways, as we've known for a long time, to reduce the risk of hamstring strains and really increase the force absorption of your hamstrings. So I won't go too much into that, but basically it's not just a strength and mobility issue like how i've mentioned with other injuries there's so many other things that goes into are you going to be at risk for a hamstring strain so it's not only getting the muscle long and strong but also making sure that it has elasticity pliability its ability to absorb force not only in the shortened range right its ability to absorb force when it's lengthened out too a lot of it with the eccentric training and training at length it has shown that it helps to actually cause positive changes in your muscle fibers. And with that positive change, your muscles not only become stronger, but they also become more responsive, also more receptive. There's a lot of research that has been shown when you train eccentrically or train when the muscles at length, you actually increase the muscle spindle sensitivity. So basically in layman's terms, this is a sensor in your muscle that tells your brain what length your muscle is in. So if you do eccentric training, you actually make this system or this sensor work better. And why is this important? Because if you're sending more accurate information to your brain, your muscle is communicating better to your brain, that means that you'll be able to have better control and instruction going back to your muscle. And this is part of that neuromuscular loop that 
is highly associated with protecting your body from any injury, but also making sure that you can perform at the best capability as possible. The other thing that I want to share about hamstring injuries is that it's understanding not only to train just eccentrically, but understanding how you need to make your body respond in your sport. So the last thing that I want to go over in this episode is just some of the common things that I typically address or common trends that I see with hamstring strains across the board. We talked about a lot of these ways that we're trying to rehab hamstring strains, and this is one facet. Of course, you need adequate recovery from any type of hamstring strains. So making sure that you're not pushing that threshold or pushing that envelope too much so that it takes a while for you to recover. Also, you need adequate strength and mobility. So that's typically restored in the beginning phases. But now as we get closer to return to play, I typically look at the entire body and assess to see are there any weak links that will cause more stress to go into your hamstrings or any muscular imbalances that will really affect movement patterns. So I'm looking beyond the hamstring at this point. A lot of times what I'm looking at is adequate core and hip function, strength, stability. Also looking at how that lower extremity moves. Is there anything that we need to address either in the foot, the calf, any type of knee control issues that's usually stemming from the hip and core again. Also, One of the common things that I look at is how are you placing your feet when you're training? Is this causing some type of imbalance or compensation with how you're lifting, squatting, lunging, running, any of those things? And this is important because feet position, I mean, just manual muscle testing your hamstring, that's usually how we assess either the medial or lateral side of your hamstring by rotating your tibia or rotating your your foot to point in or out. So the same thing goes with exercises. So if your tibia is rotated, the tibia is your shin bone and your foot is typically what happens is your feet point outwards. If that's happening, you're going to be using a lot more of your lateral hamstring, biceps femoris side, than your medial hamstring group. And that's something that we want to address and be able to make sure that we can train our hamstrings to be functional for whatever your sport or your activity is. And the last thing that I would say is, coming up with an individualized training approach or rehab plan for every individual because the reason that people suffer these recurrent hamstring strains may be very different from person to person and I've kind of talked about this in previous episodes or content some people it might be purely the fatigue component where we need to really ramp up your conditionings where you can last the ending of the quarter or the half If we ramp up your conditioning, then you start to move better, everything works better, and then you lower your risk for hamstring strains. For someone else, it might be purely that eccentric training. Maybe you're really strong when you're in the shortened hamstring length, but as soon as we get you to do things in that functional length that you need for sports, then that's when you're susceptible because there's not enough strength and pliability at that end range. Or another example might be the The new thing that I just talked about today is we need to start doing some of this emotional regulation training to really get you to learn how to be mindful, down-regulate your system, and handle heightened levels of anxiety and stress and still be able to carry out certain motor tasks during your sports and your activities. So that might be a completely different approach. And there could be a lot of different aspects too that you need to cover whenever you're doing any type of 
training and conditioning back into that sport and return to play phase. Overall, that was a lot about hamstring strains. I'm sure I'll dive into more of the rehab concepts and things like that later. But this is a brief overview with some of the mechanisms, some of the things to consider with hamstring strains and how to prevent recurrent hamstring strains. Also, I touched on a little bit of the philosophy behind why we do certain exercises and also some of the factors that we need to be aware of that do have an influence on how we will function as we're returning back to play. Again, thank you so much for listening in. Thank you for all of the support. Please share, comment, uh, subscribe to the podcast if you find any of this information helpful. And of course, I would love to hear any feedback from you. You can reach me at hnlmovement.com through the contact me page or by email directly at andrew at hnlmovement.com or on social media platforms as well. I love to hear back from anything that has helped you or any feedback that you have. I look forward to creating more episodes. We have some great episode guests line up in the upcoming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Keep checking in. Every Tuesday, I'll typically make a new episode and release it then. I will see everyone or be back here same time, same place next week. And I look forward to the next episode. Aloha. Aloha.